There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I am joined by the always lovely Peaches and the often uh, handsome Chris. <laughs> damn. I don't know. Oh, damn. Kid, I, don't kid, know. I just got get wrecked, soundboard. Get wrecked. <laughs> Holy shit. What do you mean? I said often. Yeah, like but he's I got always, always. He's always lovely, and I'm often handsome. <laughs> Sometimes a dog. I I meant for those to both sound nice, and now I feel bad. <laughs> My uh, bad. At least we're having fun now. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Ant-Man because just like Ant-Man, my opinion of the movie is going to shrink the longer we go on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's always room to grow. Oh, no. And just like the villain, I have a lot of different opinions about it, but when you get down to it, they're all the same. <laughs> so today, if you hadn't guessed we're talking about, and you hadn't read the title of this episode, we're talking about Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, written by Jeff Are there people Lovelace, that do that? directed if, by Peyton Reed. If you don't read the uh, titles of the episodes before listening, please write in and let us know. How that works. <laughs> yeah, you just see our, our like logo and you go, fucking play that shit. You look away, you, you <laughs> poke your screen a few times until you hit the play button. That's loyalty right yeah. there. I appreciate that. Yeah, wow. I don't care what they talk about. I see that logo, I go, let me get that crusty impression. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, <laughs> monster, I know why you did that. What do you mean? <laughs> because now I'm going to be forced to put it in. Put what in? <laughs> You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, boy. What's the difference? What happened? What happened? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. We're all over the place today. <laughs> uh, uh, I have mi- nipples. Greg, can you milk me? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all these people are dead and you're laughing? <laughs> well, I don't think it's very funny. <laughs> My favorite line from Mickey is from Kingdom Hearts 2, where a very specific thing happens and he goes... It, it's past spoiler territory. Uh, I still, you know, if you just in case you haven't played it, because it's like a very funny, thinking back on it scene. When I was 10, it wasn't very funny. <laughs> I took it very seriously, but it's very funny looking back on it. But then Mickey looks and goes, they'll pay for this. <laughs> Oh, Mickey's boy. standing on business, man. He's got a golden keyblade. You don't mess with that guy. That's right. Me and my posse are going to roll into town and mess him up. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I don't. I, somehow I just. Were you doing like a weird version of the Wayne Brady Chappelle show bit, but with Mickey Mouse? I wasn't trying Mickey to. Mickey Mouse going to have to slap a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not familiar enough to no? keep this going oh, yeah. with you. I didn't watch a lot of Chappelle show. It I feel was, like that's it, like one of the most famous ones. Playing off of Wayne Brady's uh, clean cut image. Right. 
they go and he like it, Chappelle like oh, hangs out with Wayne Brady and he like yeah. is doing all kinds of really bad is stuff. Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, it. got it. I do remember that now. Yeah. Wow. Break yourself, fool! Oh shit, it's Wayne Brady. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So the film opens with a flashback <laughs> in the quantum realm. Oh, uh, by the way, this is written from the moviespoiler.com from Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy. Janet Van Dyne comes across two creatures that attack her. That's not really what happens. She sees something fall out of the sky, and that's why she goes out there. She doesn't just Jeremy, happen. We, she Jeremy, just, we got some writing for you. <laughs> she doesn't just like, oh, stop. Do, 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 do. Oh, no, some <laughs> creatures. Uh, Did you guys? Um, I'm going to immediately interrupt because were you guys like kind of thrown off a little bit? Maybe you hadn't watched them back to back enough for this but i instead of watching quantumania last night i fully watched ant-man and the wasp then i watched the first half of quantumania and i Mm. said sleep is more important than the rest of this movie (laughs) uh and the quantum realm looks way fucking different that doesn't bother me because the quantum realm is supposed to be weird and there are like different parts of it and they go to like different part of this than where they are sure what bothers me about this Ooh. is how in Ant-Man and the Wasp, she's like, yeah, um, I have powers now, first of all. Yeah, she can like touch people and heal them. And she works with them to go to the quantum realm to collect quantum bits, I guess, <laughs> you know, to bring back to the regular world. And now in this one, she's like, I never talk about the quantum realm. We never go to the quantum realm. It's dangerous and terrible. Yeah. Also, I thought time works differently in the quantum realm. How did she age 30 years? Did she? Michelle Pfeiffer looks great. She did look great. Yeah, it's hard to <laughs> what, tell. Are you, what are you talking about? And I also found it weird. I know that there's like obviously some semblance to like real life down there, right? Like a lot of the inhabitants of the quantum realm look like humans. They're like technically we're not, but we are. We do look like humans and like there's similar structures and stuff. One thing that for some reason made me feel weird was the fact that there's a bunch of sand. Because if you think about <laughs> Them walking through sand in the quantum realm, sand is already really small in real life. That's really, really, really small sand. I know. Like, think about how many grains of sand, all those little fun tidbits you hear about, the amount of grains of sand, blah, 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 math figure, and now you think of quantum realm grains of sand? Here's a question for you. Is the quantum realm small, or do you just get there by shrinking? Whoa. I think my my issue with the quantum realm is that... Hmm. uh, and this whole movie is shot this way. It is shot for the most part with, unless you're talking about the very beginning and some scenes in the jail cell, it is shot on a small stage that is clearly in that one place that I don't remember the name of the Chris going say. The volume. <laughs> I like how you pointed at me because you knew I was going <laughs> to chime in on that. Yeah. Uh, Interrupt me now. That is clearly filmed in the volume, and it, it is very clearly a very small set with a bunch of like digitally added in everything else. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, it is like that for almost the entire movie. It's crazy how the volume, like when the first season of Mandalorian came out, we were all like blown away by it. And now that several things have been made using it, the, the seams are really starting to show. Well, yeah, because the they, they, it feels like they are relying on it more and more and more. That first season of The Mandalorian, think about how much in that was practical. It was there was quite a lot of practical effects and practical like sets. Yeah, and it was all inside the volume. Yes, but they were they were using they were using it as like a an accessory, not the feature. Mm-hmm. Whereas in *Ammon and the Lost Contamania*, it's a movie filmed in the volume, 
and they've added a few things in there as accessories. Yeah, I think like it's not, like when you look at Guardians Volume Three, when we get to that one, that was filmed on actual sets for the most part. Yeah, and I think it is very, um, you know, very apparent. Uh, I, th- I still think the volume is a is great technology, and sure. it's only going to get better. Uh, and I think it could be a really incredible tool for a lot of filmmakers. But right now, I don't think it's quite ready for blockbuster primetime. I agree. Despite what you said earlier, I, I do think, well, I guess you said it not recording. Um, but I do think parts of this movie are pretty. Like, yeah, they use the volume a lot. There are some some scenes in this movie where like, hey, that was designed really well. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, not all of them. Yeah. Like, like it does. I think there's a... You 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 dig a thousand times, you'll strike gold a few. Sure, um, but they really did dig gold a thousand. Try to dig up gold a thousand times in this one. Well, and we'll get into more of like the characters and stuff. But just talking about the setting and the characters, kind of fit in this with us as well. Uh, this movie was never going to be as major of a hit as some other movies because of how far it goes into certain realms of science fiction, as far as like character design and set design and some of these types of things. I don't think that movie would ever like fully succeed that way. You know what? I don't think Marvel executives agree with you. Former Marvel Marvel executives agree with you. I think that this of the last handful of movies that came out in theaters recently, I think this was the most marketed one. I'm comparing it to how little marketing there was for the Marvels mm. and how much better I felt about the Marvels than I did about oh, this movie. Yeah. I was and maybe that's part of it. Maybe this is a Bioshock 2 syndrome for me where I got really really hype on the thought of what this movie could be and then sure. I saw it and went, "Oh, whoops." <laughs> Here's uh, I don't know. They they marketed the hell out of it. The Ant-Man movies have never been the biggest hits, you mm-hmm. know. They've always done well. But they're not, you know, setting the world on fire. And they wanted to use this one to set up the big bad guy, Kang. I remember one of the one of the posters I saw at the movie theater once was like, a new dynasty begins. And you know who that marketing works on? People who are aware of who Kang the Conqueror is, that Kang is the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that they are going to make a movie called the Kang Dynasty. That does not work on regular people. <laughs> and regular people are the people who uh, get you over a billion dollars. I'm excited to talk about Kang in this movie because I think there's a lot to be said about him, but let's continue on. Yeah. So uh, Janet Van Dyne sees something fall out of the sky and then happens to come across two creatures that she's heading for whatever fell out of the sky. She kills one, but it's pounced on by the other. Uh, before it can finish her, someone blasts its head off. Janet turns and sees another man appears to have crash landed in the realm with her. In the present day, Scott Lang has been enjoying his newfound celebrity status after helping the Avengers save the world from Thanos, although at least one person mistakes him for Spider-Man. This is the part where you know I'm going to interrupt. All right. First of all, it's the guy from I Think You Should Leave, uh, from the uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the focus group sketch. Yeah. Uh, too, too small. <laughs> I oh, want a wheel okay. that will not fly off when you drive it. <laughs> um, but apparently, he actually messed up the line oh, and really? said Spider-Man... <laughs> And they liked it, so they they you know they were like, okay, we're keeping that. That's funny. Yeah, That's so good. Yeah, we're watching this part. I'm gonna talk about a few other parts. At this point in the movie, I'm like, this is fun. It's a fun little movie. I haven't like reached a point where I'm like, oh no, this isn't like once we're uh, the, all of the parts where we are still in the like not the quantum realm. I'm like, yeah, this isn't bad. Like we're not. This isn't you know. I thought this bit of humor was good. Him. 
It was very Ant-Man. Yeah, it was very Ant-Man. Yeah. Uh, it was true to his character, and it was a little bit funny, and I think it uh, it set his scene up pretty well. I'm, man, we're going to be reaching for nice things to say. We got to get them all out now. <laughs> there, there are nice things to say, but overall, I think, yeah. Meanwhile, Hope Van Dyne has taken over her father, Hank's company, has been u- and has been using the PIM particles for expanding her research and using it for global benefits. Scott has also written a best-selling book about his experiences. I was just happy to meet a raccoon who could talk. <laughs> <laughs> However, his absence from being stuck in the quantum realm has also kept him from his daughter, Cassie, who was recast for the second time. We're not allowed to recast. (laughs) We should all riot. Yeah. I actually really like this actor, though. She's Uh, good, but honestly, they waited a year. They could have used the original Cassie. I know. No, no, they could have. They could have. Uh, bummer, bummer that they recast because we did like that actress. But if if they had to... Uh, they picked a good replacement. I like her in the stuff I've seen her in. She was in, um, have you guys seen Freaky? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked her in that. You have not seen Freaky? No. Uh, it's uh, it's like Freaky Friday, but the, if it the were Vince a... Vince Vaughn one, right? Yeah, if it were a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scott gets a call from jail and meets Hope there. Cassie was arrested for being at a protest. She also has been tinkering in science ever since the blimp. Tinkering in science? <laughs> what a sort of phrase. What an interesting day. She was doing the science thing with the doodads. Ah, I'm somewhat of a tinkerer of science myself. <laughs> no, the tinkerer is somebody else. <laughs> ah, Miles. Even beginning to work with Hope and Hank, whom Cassie refers to as Grandpa Hank. Scott and Cassie join the Pims at home for dinner, where Hank accidentally lets slip Cassie has been arrested more than once. Uh, she draws attention to the work they have been doing, including Hank having an ant farm uh, with his smart ants, while Cassie has been working. Uh, or Cassie has worked on a device that sends signals to the quantum realm, and signals can be received in the outside world too. This causes Janet to panic, and she shuts the device off. Before she can explain herself, the device reactivates and starts pulling everything and everyone inside. Still, even at this point, I'm like, it's weird she never mentioned any of this, but you know what? I'm still like, oh yeah, this doesn't seem like it's going to be bad. Yeah, I don't think it would be super fair for us to argue, like, when we find her at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, there's nothing really going on there, and now we're learning all this stuff went on there. At at the surface level, but when you get down to like the details of it, it, it it's weird. It, it is weird. It's to me. It's not so much that it wasn't mentioned in the last movie because there was right. time to even get into stuff like that. It's that she was helping them go to the quantum realm at the end of the last movie. Right. Right. And right. It's like it's so different. It's like all of a sudden she's like, no, I never, never did that. And it seems like a weird thing for her to f- have forgotten about. Right. Yeah. Like you can't you can't be like ah maybe she just didn't remember Kang was there. She came back. She from didn't the blip remember. And was like oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Super villains. I knew one. <laughs> so Scott jumps in after Cassie and uses his Ant-Man suit to protect her as they fall into the quantum realm. Hope uses her wasp suit to save her parents. The Pims gather as Janet tries to keep them from being spotted. Does it bother anyone else how they just shrink and grow without the helmet all the time now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They made like a big point of it in the first movie. Didn't they also make a big point of like, well, maybe this is solved because of their work with the quantum realm at this point, but they're not supposed to keep going smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. 
Yeah, there's a regulator, right? Yeah. Well, Scott now? fixed that at the end of the first movie. Oh, That's okay. how they are they're now able to go okay, to yeah. and from. It's been a while since I've seen that one. There it's was like this whole plot thread that they introduced in the first one that they've completely abandoned, which is fine because plot threads get abandoned. But there seemed to be like this suggestion that maybe if you shrink and grow too much, it messes with your brain. Yep. Mm. And now they're like, no, we, we can't do that. We just got to keep shrinking and growing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be some of the boys shit. We, yeah. fixed, we fixed it between movies. Yeah. Uh, they are found by inhabitants that Janet confronts. After a quick duel with one of the inhabitants, Janet and the creature laugh it off like old friends. She is then able to get her family a ride atop a large flying creature. Looks like a weird stingray-looking thing. Uh, yeah, very like Mad Max type stuff. Yeah, uh, but it just doesn't make just doesn't make sense. A lot of it, like, why are they in this vast open desert just driving around where there looks like there's literally no resources for like miles? Like, what? I just don't understand a lot of it. The world that they've crafted, it, it feels like they were trying to go for. Let's build the weirdest world we can, but not try to like have any sense of like, oh, why why all of these things work together. Are you saying it's weird in contrast to like for them to have start off started off in this jungle that turns into a desert that turns into a metropolis yes. that turns into a it just doesn't base camp. It just doesn't make a lot of the the, the world doesn't make a lot of like uh, Bailey made this point because I was talking about how weird this movie is, and I was like, it's weird, and I don't know if like Hollywood like, goes for weird movies like this, and she goes, well, the Guardians movies are weird. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're kind of right about that. Like, the Guardians movies do have a lot of weird stuff. Like, where the Guardians that we're going to talk about, they go to this weird, like, organic battle station thing that is all, like, flesh and stuff. But it all makes sense. Like, oh, like, yeah. it, it, you, you, you can piece it together in your brain enough to where you can, like, register, like, why this is happening. Why there's just a band of... The goons like driving around and laughing, and then like he can call a weird manta thing to come. That all starts to get a little too, in my opinion, into the we're just like putting things in here for fun, and it doesn't actually make sense in the world that we've created. I wasn't like super bothered by the weirdness of the quantum realm. I because I guess I went in expecting it to be weird, so so like, it didn't bother me, and I enjoyed some of it. You know, some of it felt very Star Wars, I think. Um, I think that is the tone they were going for. Sure. It's just more for me that that doesn't fit an Ant-Man movie to me. Uh, I remember after this movie came out, Danny said, that should have been Fantastic Four. Yep. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it should have been. Yeah, 100%. Can't wait for the Fantastic Four movie to be this small heist movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I I still refuse to believe everything I'm seeing on uh, on Instagram and whatever. But there was like a week where the only the only like repost I was seeing over and over was about Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, I, I mean that's the rumor still. Yeah, I know. I mean but, it's it was uh, who who reported Variety did. Uh, yeah, but Variety also reported a lot yeah, of other stupid shit. Yeah, but on casting, they usually don't report on casting unless like they have hmm. solid info. Like that, they vet. Like they, they really... Hmm. And that doesn't mean that things couldn't still fall apart because, you know, so they didn't say he has been cast. It was in talks. Right. Um, so talks can always break down. Yep. But, you know, it's... Uh, and we all know about... You and I know about breaking down, so... 
Breakdown. <laughs> uh, uh, I meant like uh, having an emotional breakdown. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah. I would have Hammer. Okay. But... <laughs> Shit. Scott jumps in after Cassie. I've already read this. The Langs are found by other quantum realm inhabitants, varying from humanoid to many alien-like beings. Scott and Cassie must drink a red fluid called ooze, stolen from Power Rangers, <laughs> that comes from one of the creatures, Veb, which allows them to understand the natives. They are met by another native, Quaz, who can read minds as well as Gentora, a rebel warrior who suspects that the arrival of the they Langs and Pims so will draw attention from someone they call the Conqueror. They did. William Jackson Harper, so dirty. I know. He should have been. He's a perfect Mr. Fantastic. Yep. Yep. Just I, exactly who you would want for that character. It's not that he didn't do whatever he was cast to do in this movie he, well. He was funny. He did fine. It's just... They could have used him for any more important thing. I agree. Any more important thing. I don't care what it is. I mean, this is how I felt when they cast uh, Idris Elba as Heimdall. Really? Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. you have Idris Elba there. Like, he's an incredible when actor. They, but when Thor came out, was Idris Elba well known? I think he was well known to that point, sure. Was he? I yeah, he'd he, done like The Wire by yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. He was known as being a very good actor. Okay. Yeah. I think he was more of a TV personality at that sure. point, though. He hadn't quite broken into like being a movie star yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he had... Well, I don't remember when his season of The Office was, how that lines up with Thor. Yeah, I don't remember either. Because um, he was near the end-ish? He was a or few maybe seasons middle? removed from the end. He was on yeah. one of the last seasons with um, Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, they did. They did him dirty. Maybe Mister Fantastic. Sure, if it is, if it does end up end up being Pedro, that's great too. But yeah. but like William Jackson Harper, man, I agree. Come on, I agree. Maybe he can be Kang. Maybe he can be new Kang. I don't know if he has the villainness in him, which is yeah, make Kang a moral philosopher. And that is <laughs> that's a tough thing that you're going to need to get from whoever ends up playing Mister Fantastic. Is because you will probably end up needing to have both Mr. Fantastic and the um Go ahead, Chris. The Maker? The Maker. Yeah, yeah. Mm. The evil ultimate Mr. Fantastic. Right. Who plays a big role in uh Oh, Secret Wars. Secret yeah, Wars. Okay. And so it makes sense that, you know, you would have um the, the person that plays Mr. Fantastic, be able to have the range of being able to be a villain I, and a hero. I've Maybe only just seen... Maybe Krasinski the maker. That'd be hilarious. That would be funny. I, I don't think I've seen Pedro Pascal in something where he's the villain except for one of the Kingsman movies, and it wasn't like a serious villain. He was like a, kind of a silly villain. Oh, he was the me? villain in Wonder Woman 1984. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, but I try to forget about that movie. And oh, He was the best part of that movie. Right, he was. talk about bad CGI. He Woo! was the best part of that movie, and he still wasn't a good villain. Yeah. yeah. When Scott mentions Janet's name, Gentora becomes suspicious. Janet leads Hank and Hope to a bar full of other quantum natives. They meet with a man called Lord Kryler, whom Janet befriended and is implied to have a relationship with during her time trapped down here. Uh, Bill Murray uh, was like heavily advertised to be in this movie, and he was barely in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that should make people upset because yes. I thought it was supposed to be like a big thing that Bill Murray was in this movie, and I thought he was going to play this big role. Yeah. And then he's in there for all of six minutes. 
The scene was all pomp and circumstance, too. Yep. He comes out of the ship. They sh- they have a shot of just him from behind, like, oh, no, who's that going to be? They have the whole close-up shot of, hey, look, it's Bill Murray. Yep. And then mm-hmm. the fucking scene's over. And he's, yeah. yeah. And he does exactly what you expect him to do in that scene, where he walks out, and you're like, oh, okay, so he's going to betray them. Yep, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I don't know. I... I don't also, know how she can look at this guy who now has the title of like governor or lord or whatever it is, and she's like, "Yes, this is the freedom fighter rebel that I was friends with back in the day." Uh, he hasn't gone bad. I wonder if they had more Bill Murray and they cut it. It does. It seems like a waste to get him in your movie for six minutes. Yeah, I agree. If that, I mean, I get a cameo. You know, cameos are fun. It is fine to have a cameo. It's it is, weird that they built it up. There you go. But they the built cameos, it up and advertised it the way they did. Yeah, but, yeah, but the cameo is not about the character. We're talking about a Marvel movie. The cameo is about Bill Murray. Yeah, it's, it's not. Well, yeah, Bill no. Murray's in the movie. I mean, that's how this guy was in uh, in um, Multiverse of Madness. The guy that's always in... Um, oh, oh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, right? Bruce Campbell's different because he and Sam Raimi go together. You know? Like... That makes sense. I think if they hadn't told us that Bill Murray was in the movie, it would have been a fun surprise to have him in for one scene. Sure. I think we would have been like, oh, that was cool, Bill Murray. I yeah. agree. <laughs> yes. They went the opposite direction. And in their defense, the way movie reporting works nowadays, it's very difficult to keep things a secret. Yeah. You know, we knew about the people playing the spider people for a long time. Yeah. You know, it, it was still rumored, but we like kind of knew about it. You know, Bill Murray was uh, probably showed up on set and it was like immediately reported. We have tons, and I mean tons, of reports coming off of the filming of Deadpool 3 and of all of the people that are supposedly in that and the things that have happened in that already. You know, uh, I don't think, personally, I feel like that kind of reporting is a detriment and does not actually help anyone or anything. Yeah, I, I feel like... I never understood the point of reporting that as news the only reason people report is because there are people who want to hear it right but yeah i don't i don't i think it's so much cooler to be surprised Mm -hmm. also i know it's implied that uh janet and this guy had a relationship while she was there but it's clear that janet really had a relationship with kang while she was there right her and kang they were they were doing the horizontal seesaw like for sure you didn't get well, sexual. Well, horizontal seesaw is not very good. It's got to move back. <laughs> yeah, please explain that position to me. Uh, they're, they're perfectly balanced, staring at each other from across the room. <laughs> That's not the turn of. Is that not the phrase? It's, I believe it's horizontal mambo or something. Hold or, on, hold on. Maybe tango. Some kind of dance. A horizontal seesaw. <laughs> Everyone, I'm just getting pictures of horizontal seesaws. Everyone Google sex. Uh, Urban Dictionary. Make sure you go to Safe Search for, or um, um, yeah, Safe Search and uh, or incognito mode. Horizontal, and let's see what Google. No, okay, so nothing horizontal. It's just called the seesaw. If you if you Google Urban Dictionary horizontal, and then you look at what it autofills, Tango is the first one. Okay, so the horizontal Tango. My bad, everyone. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is, in their scenes, I got a lot of sexual tension. Did you? I did. Hmm. I can see it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're trapped in the quantum realm, what else do you have to do when you're not fixing the ship? There you go. She was like, oh, yeah, we were we were friends. Just friends. <laughs> Nothing more. 
While Janet tries to get Kyler to help, he tells her that he is working for Kang, the Conqueror, referring to from, to from earlier. Referred to from earlier. Kryler also alludes to Kang's greatest weapon, a mechanized organism designed only for killing, MODOK. Yeah, this is basically from the time Bill Murray shows up is when this movie starts to go downhill for me. Yeah, I think I'm about there too. I One of my notes here is that it is, I, I timed this when I watched this movie three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> my note was uh, back in September. Um, I said they, sp- they spend too long talking about him. They're always like, oh, him, he will be mad. Him, the conqueror, him. It's almost 50 minutes into the movie before they actually say anything substantial about him beyond there's a scary guy. Yeah, they give him the Voldemort treatment. Mm-hmm. We've already seen him in the prologue. They've put him in every damn commercial. Yep. You can, there are ways to have a villain reveal later in the movie that works, but this is so clumsy. Yep. I can't think of another word for it. It is inartfully done, where it's just a lot of, you know, if we just keep using pronouns to refer to this guy, everyone's going to be like, oh, who is it? Who could it be? This guy must be scary. No, that doesn't work. They say show, don't tell, but they weren't even telling. They were just vaguely alluding. Yeah. Kang's henchmen show up to take in the Pims, but they fight their way out, and Hank uses one of his growing discs to turn a squid creature gigantic to grab Kryler and throw him around. (laughs) (laughs) The family then steals his ship and escapes. I guess that's technically correct. The Uh, best best kind of correct. (laughs) The rebels soon come under a tank, a tank attack by Kang's forces. Uh, before Modok makes his appearance, and begins to vaporize some of the freedom fighters. In the chaos, Cassie reveals she has been wearing her own super suit to help her shrink and grow. Modok personally confronts Scott and Cassie and reveals himself as Darren Cross, who survived his fight with Scott when he went subatomic and destroyed his yellow jacket suit, which deformed Cross's body and left him as a giant head with tiny limbs and a stretched out face. I have a big head and little arms. (laughs) (laughs) I I, think you thought this through. I cannot... I I think I probably docked a point to two points from my score because of MODOK. I I think he takes this movie... This movie already doesn't do it for me, and he just... Modok gives this movie an extra point for me. No way, Modoc dude. is like the best part of this movie. I so disagree. Wow. I think I think <laughs> everything he did was the the worst kind of cheesy. I think he looks the worst CGI in the movie is that actor's fucking face. It's great. It's hilarious. Uh and I don't think they needed to bring Yellow Jacket back. Uh we we were done with that villain. Who gives a shit? He was he was a a B movie villain. Who gives a shit? And if you're gonna do Modok, like I don't know, put some more thought into it than a little side villain that doesn't get through the movie and looks like shit the whole time. My, I think my note he's verbatim terrible. is: I know some people are upset with his take on Modok, but I'm here for it. Mm. I guess some people is peaches. Leave him in Patton Oswalt animated form <laughs> and let me watch that show. Fuck this Modoc. I you think know he's terrible. That um back when they were going to make the New Warriors TV show that never got around to actually happening, they filmed the pilot, nothing else. It mm-hmm. was uh Squirrel Girl and I forget who all the other characters were, but there was gonna be this character on it played by Keith David, uh, who was like their landlord or something. 
their plan was for a few seasons in, he was going to become Modoc, the landlord. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would have been funny, but I, I, this, this Darren Cross as Modoc does not do it for me, and I think he looks Eduardo, terrible. Where, where do you land on this? I think one? he looks so fun. <laughs> right I think he in looks, the middle of this. I love. <laughs> he's literally sitting between us. So every I time, love this. every time he's on screen, I'm just like, leave your fucking helmet on. That's all I want. Just leave the helmet on, and I can take this movie kind of seriously. But every time, this man who is just a head floating around in some random subspace That's is like, Modoc. let me show you my face. That's literally Modoc, though. I know. No, it doesn't work in this movie that's trying to be so serious. Like like you said, it's not an Ant-Man movie, even though they put Ant-Man in it. They're trying to be so serious, and then they're like, here's this goofy fucking gold head. <laughs> okay, it's time for me to weigh in. <laughs> All right. I think I agree with Chris on this one. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. You love dumb go! shit. I love how stupid it is. I normally love dumb shit too, but Modoc just ah, uh, I hate him. I just movie. thought I I hated him because it was bad. Like I loved I I loved it because it was bad. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was so stupid, and I thought, man, that's so funny. But here's the thing: you know that I'm a jingle all the way, Stan. Sure. Like I can get behind a thing that is so stupid that it's fun. Sure. But the rest of the movie, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not parallel to this right it's perpendicular to this you've got a Here's, guy made of goo who's like how many holes do you have and you think modok's reason, too weird yes that well, guy's much better the reason i like <laughs> modok and, and i i actually agree with you that he is perpendicular to this is because the, the part that he's perpendicular to is a part of the movie that i don't like yeah. i think this yeah. movie takes itself way too seriously and is a movie for someone else and i think if you take and just take out the parts that would fit within an ant-man story you have the makings of what could be a really funny silly stupid ant-man movie that it probably should have been but instead they tried to make every it feels like every movie now is trying to have an end game level big gigantic world saving threat battle thing last the first ant-man movie they were shrunk down to size and fighting on a toy train. Oh, yeah. yeah. That That's the kind of thing yeah. that I'm looking for from these things. Silly, stupid, fun. I don't need every movie to be this world-saving, you know, universe-saving affair that we have to do. That's the part of the movie that I don't like. And so that's why I'm like, okay on Modoc because he's so stupid. I don't think you're wrong. I think the, the face looks awful, but I think it's funny because it looks awful. Yeah. Uh, like, I think it is... I don't want to give him the credit to say it's intentionally bad to be funny, but I feel like that's where I'm go. Like that's where I'm at right now. I feel like they intentionally made it look bad because it's so funny. I don't know. You, you've already we've already pointed out like, well, we we didn't do it here, but we've talked about CGI mistakes and how some of it looks weird sure, and silly sure. and stupid. And I don't think that they were like, let's let's give a hundred percent effort on this third of the movie and let's give a hundred and fifty percent effort on Modoc's fat fucking head. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so mad about this. I don't know why. I just think it's so dumb. I was watching you shake your head as he was talking about Modoc. I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna be a uh, this is gonna be. Fun. It's just the whole thing is like they they talk about him kind of like they talk about Kang, right? Like the first couple times that he's mentioned, they won't even call him Modoc. They call him the mechanized organism designed only for killing, and he sounds like this ominous presence. And then he's like, hey, it's Darren. Huh? That's like, that's friggin' Modoc though. That's <laughs> there's no serious way to do Modoc. Yeah. Maybe don't do it then. Modoc in your serious movie. 
I also just, because I don't like him, none of his lines hit for me. Like his, I guess I'll die in Avenger means nothing to me. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah. Like, Darren, who do you think you are? You were a bad guy the You're whole time. You're always like a brother to me, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd's response to all of his shit, that's on point. He's like, actually, that's Modofk. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Modok was also the one who sent the signal to Cassie that she responded to. Uh, he then brings the two to Kang. On their way out, Janet comes clean to Hank and Hope, Hope about her time down there. When she had met Kang, he gave her the impression that he was another lost traveler, that she could help him power his ship to help him get out of the quantum realm, promising her that he will return her to Hope. After Janet found his ship's core, she learned that his ship was powered by his thoughts. When she touched the core, she caught a glimpse into Kang's mind and she witnessed all the atrocities he committed from wiping out entire planets and destroying timelines. Kang attempted to appeal to Janet by saying he can make it so that she never missed Hope's uh, childhood, though she knew it would mean others would suffer because of him. Seeing that he was a monster, Janet used her wasp suit to steal the core and blow it up to a massive size to prevent herself or Kang from escaping. This is the extent we get for Kang backstory. And this is one of the big reasons why I think Kang doesn't work in this movie. If you look at some of the most successful villains across the MCU, you get more from them. Infinity War is a really great example because you could argue, and I think successfully, that Infinity War stars Thanos. Mm -hmm. It is a movie about Thanos that are other characters in there. He is a, I wouldn't call him a protagonist, but he is the main focus of the movie. Kang is a side character in this movie. He is as much a side character as uh, the dude from The Good Place. Like, they are side characters. Maybe he gets, like, a little bit more time. But you know what I mean? Like, him and Janet, they're very equal in screen time and what they do. Uh, and I don't. I wouldn't consider Janet one of the faces of this movie. Like, it's very clearly supposed to be about uh, Ant Man. It's supposed to be about Cassie, and you know everybody else is sort of ancillary to them. And I think ancillary. That- <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I think this movie suffers because of it. Because I think if you are trying to introduce this big incredible villain that is supposed to permeate through all of the MCU moving forward and you give him no no real reason for doing the things that he's doing and you don't like you don't earn it right they 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 haven't earned the fear from king Thanos, they earned why Thanos was so scary. The scene of Thanos choking the life out of Loki is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. The scenes of him sort of almost sounding reasonable and then suddenly turning twisted in the way that he views the world and and you know kind of taking that from a from from that perspective from the perspective that he's going for where you could you could almost agree with him but then you go, no, that's actually the wrong way to do things. They don't do any of that with Kang. Kang is just the bad guy. And they don't really give him a reason other than, I need to stop something. That's why I kill people. Yeah. And it seems like he has the exact same motivation as He Who Remains. Yep. But he's infinitely less interesting than He Who Remains. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if they were banking on us having 
pre-existing fear of Kang because of what we have seen of him in other stuff. What a wild decision <laughs> to pick an obscure villain that, again, the general public hasn't heard of. I feel like they like bought into their own hype or something about all like the nerd websites who knew what was going on. And it's like they'd forgotten that when Avengers came out, nobody knew who Thanos was except for comic book fans. Regular people, I, I say regular people, you know what I mean. You know, people, normies. Lot, normies. <laughs> um, now, these people who, uh, like like me, who had not read the comics, I did not know Thanos when I first saw the Avengers. Obviously, I'm very familiar with him now, but, um, you know, that's not a character that a lot of people had a pre-existing knowledge of, and neither is Kang. Yes, Kang is certainly very well known in, uh, you know, the comic book circles, but when you talk about villains that, like, everybody knows about it's guys like the joker uh lex luthor dr octopus i, w- I would put on that level True. probably um i would say marvel probably has fewer villains who are as well known as you know i think dc has a few that... i agree I, honestly a lot of them are literally just batman's rogues yeah gallery. because everyone yeah. watched batman in the 60s that's <laughs> that's what it is and everyone remembers the riddler the catwoman penguin yeah. you know they were all on the old batman tv show and chill out <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> What killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the Ice Age. I, ah! I, these movies have made some of these uh, characters. Like now, Thanos is like a Darth Le- Darth Vader level villain. I think in pop culture, and that's cool, you know. But they can't just assume that people are going to be excited about Kang the Conqueror, or Immortus, or Ramatut, or uh, especially if every time we see one of those, they lose. Like. I kind of get it because there's infinite of them, right? That's the whole, the lores that infinite of me are going to come kill all of you. So I guess if we kill one per movie, as long as we don't have infinite movies, you know. We'll never run out of Kangs. Yeah, we'll never run out. But that is kind of a boring way to look at it, right? Like, well, we got more, so just keep killing them. Like, he's not that strong. That's a great way not to get invested in a villain. Yeah, like, he's not that strong then, is he? Like, if Ant-Man can take him out, if... No offense to Ant-Man, but if yeah. Ant-Man can take him out, like, do there's, we really have to be worried about infinitely more of you? Well, right, and there's also the, like, because there are so many, they devalue, right? Oh, there's just going to be another Kang next week. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. I don't know. I, I agree. I think they went about it in a very strange way. Yeah. The line that he has when he finally confronts Scott, when he's like, are you an Avenger? Have I killed you before? You know, that's a good threat. I agree. That makes him sound scary. Mm-hmm. But that is a lot of telling and not showing. I agree. And you know what? When I left, I'm going to say my controversial thing now. Okay. My hot take. When I first saw the movie, I think the one thing we all agreed on was, hey, you know, Jonathan Majors was great. I actually don't think he was great. Yeah, I don't think he was very good. You changed your mind? Fine. Yeah. I think especially after was, seeing what he did as Victor Timely and He Who Remains. He did a fine job with a thinly written character. Yeah. yeah. But it's not no, nowhere near the upper echelon of Marvel villains. He's no Loki. He's no Thanos. Um, he's no any Spider-Man villain. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so far I do like him better in his other two iterations. Yes, yeah, I think TV Kang is a lot better than movie Kang. Uh, <laughs> you know what I would have loved to see is when Michelle Pfeiffer touches the thing, we see the scene of him killing the Avengers. Yeah. That would have yeah. been really powerful and would have been like, oh, like he mean like he's means business. Like he I is get it's expensive to get Chris Hemsworth in for sure, that, sure. but you know, go for it. You know, have people get excited about 
Marvel cameos. Right, he's the future of your franchise in a lot of ways. He is, you know, the the character has its hands in several of the future Marvel properties. It's already been in Loki, like, Mm -hmm. invest. Scott and Cassie meet Kang, who boasts about having killed other Avengers across other timelines. Okay, I didn't skip too far ahead. (laughs) (laughs) He demands Scott's help in getting his core back, threatening to kill Cassie and force Scott to relive the moment for eternity if he doesn't help. Scott reluctantly agrees, but makes it clear he will comfort Kang if he hurts Cassie. Scott has dropped down into the course location to retrieve it, but it's caught in what MODOK calls a probability storm, causing hundreds of multiple Scots to pop up. The, th- the Pims fly by the location when Hope gets a read on Scott. As she flies down to help, she gets surrounded by her own probabilities. Scra- Scott's probabilities manage to help him since their entire shared goal is saving Cassie. Hope helps Scott, and they shrink the core down together. There's the one scene in the movie that deserves the name Quantumania. Yeah. And let me tell you, I think the scene starts off interesting, but I don't think they do anything interesting with it. I think it's an interesting idea that they don't capitalize on because I don't think like a bunch of Scots show up and they're like, all right, now let's work together. Like, I don't think it like there's a couple gags like, oh, it's the guy. He's the Baskin Robbins version. Ha ha ha. Even though it doesn't really make sense because it's different probabilities. And why would the Baskin Robbins? Why would he go? Why would he make it here? Why would he make it here? How would he have gone from here? And then suddenly be the Baskin Robbins guy. That doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, Yeah. It's an interesting idea with poor execution, which is the like the tagline for this movie. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So Hope and Janet, try to help Scott now that he has the core, but Kang shows up to take it from him, going back on their deal to let Cassie go. He also takes Janet with him as Modok destroy, uh, and has Modok destroy the ship with Hank in it, though he survives. When Janet calls Kang a monster, he explains that he is the exiled one among his many variants, and he believes they are responsible for other horrors across the multiverse. He thinks that his escape in the quantum realm will allow him to take control over an event that is coming for humanity. Again, exactly the same motivation. He gets exactly the same explanation as He Who Remains, except this one was banished to the quantum realm instead of making a home for himself at the end of time. So he's a king that's already lost once. (laughs) The ants from Hank's ant farm arrive after apparently having gone through time displacement that has helped them grow more advanced over less time than than what the humans have gone through, because that somehow makes sense. As deus ex machina go, it was at least kind of funny, (laughs) you know, and Hank being so proud of them. Yeah. (laughs) They help Hank get Scott and Hope to head toward Kang's stronghold. Meanwhile, Cassie uses her suit to shrink into a, pri- uh, into a prison and free Gentora and other rebels to charge towards Kang's tower. Just as Kang tries to make a big villain speech, Cassie hijacks it and tells everyone to head to the tower to fight Kang. The other rebels are freed and fight off Kang's goons. Modok goes for Cassie, but she turns giant and punches him down. Before leaving, she convinces him that she doesn't have to, be, uh, have to keep being evil. I want to talk about uh, one of the reasons why I think this movie does not succeed, and it is scale. I think scale is actually a really important part if you're going to do an Ant-Man movie, Mm -hmm. and this movie does not get scale correctly at any point. There is no point where you're like, oh, Ant-Man is small here. Oh, he's really big here. It's always just like Ant-Man is the size and everything around him changes. Uh, Like, it doesn't... They put out a new trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong, 
And oh, that, yeah, yeah. that movie also is starting to sort of lose. There's a scene of uh, King Kong running with what looks like the Infinity Gauntlet, yeah. which is a whole other thing. But him <laughs> and Godzilla are running towards something, and it looks like they're like six feet tall because they're running they're, they're running so there's fast nothing, there's no like background to like contrast them well, against uh, them. and they're oh, really? running at like what you would consider to be like regular speed like they're not like i don't thundering. know if i've ever seen godzilla run no okay. but you are <laughs> hot take without having seen the trailer just based on what you just said plus the infinity gauntlet comment yeah. Maybe the whole movie is a kid playing with toys. That'd be sick. And it's just, like, he put his Infinity Gauntlet on his stuffed monkey, and he's fighting a lizard. <laughs> he painted his Godzilla pink. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I think that that's one of the big problems with this movie. I think that is a quintessential part of an Ant-Man story, is to have varying levels of scale. And if you don't have the scale correctly, you just, from the very beginning, you go, we're going to the quantum realm, and you shrink down. Well... Yeah, also, taking him out of the real world, that is a problem. Also, with, yeah. Cassie then gets big and then gets sick for getting big, but she's not actually big. She's just bigger than being small. quantumly small. Yeah. She's not actually big, though, so why is that messing with her at all? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe there's like a... Well, like, that's why I asked is, you know, is the quantum realm small or do you just shrink yeah. to get there? Yeah, you know? Well, there's that, but also you think about like, you know, if you travel to like the mountains or something, you get used to different elevation. Like mm-hmm. after you're there for a little while, you get used to it, but right away, like maybe that's what that is supposed to be. Maybe. Like, like when you're on a cruise for a few days yeah. and, you're land, and you're like, like rocking <laughs> like because she was quantum small for so long she then got used to it and then she enlarged and now it's different because she was used to being quantum small for a while mm. i'm trying to explain a movie i yeah. don't really you're, like uh, you're I, I appreciate the the effort you know what though you dial it one scene back where scott is in his probability storm there, the scale for that scene is also weird because there's a man in a suit that enlarges him and the way that they get to the core is they climb other Scots. Yep. Maybe just grow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Maybe point, he was already as big as he could get. You couldn't tell because he was in an infinite void. Ah, At true. what point... They no, but he a has banana to, for scale. He has to get bigger to get out of that infinite void. Oh, God, you're right. I'm so confused. It's <laughs> That's the thing. Is it feels like in this movie they're trying to tell us that he has to get down to a certain amount to get to a certain place, but why didn't couldn't he have just grown to the point where he could just flick the thing in there and yeah, right? Like he go. got smaller than he needed to be. Get get big enough to where you can get close enough to I don't know grab onto the edge of the thing, then grow small, then just climb up and grab it. Shrinking and growing just don't make sense for a quantum realm story. Yeah. Uh, Ant Man is the wrong hero for a quantum realm 100 100%, 100%. and it's you know talking about scale i know in the other two ant-man episodes we've talked about how it's hard to say this without sounding like you're trying to make a joke but they're smaller movies yep and this one is trying to be a huge important marvel movie and that does not i just don't think that works for ant-man ant-man can be a part of a huge important marvel movie obviously he was great in endgame you know, as part of a team, yes. But I think the reason, if people like Ant-Man movies, I think they like that they're a little more intimate, a little more, you know, street level. It doesn't. Ha- not everything has to be a, an escalating cosmic threat. Yeah, give me, Jim, give me Jimmy Woo. Yes. Um, okay. His give friend. Me, the the his... fact that his friends are not in this movie, Luis and, yeah. uh, and all of them, like that alone. Docs this movie three points. Yeah. One for each of them. You know? <laughs> it's like Yeah, there's no Louise story. There's no Jimmy Woo. There's no even even uh even the stepdad is a fun, weird yeah, character. I agree. Yeah. 
Scott grows gigantic as he angrily runs towards Kang for reneging on their deal. He reunites with Cassie and is proud to see she is giant too. He leads the ants plus a giant mecha ant towards the tower. Kang leads his own attack against the rebels, but Modok goes in for his own attack now that he has switched sides. He chooses to die as Darren, and the heroes stand by his side as he dies. This makes it a lot more heroic than see it sound more heroic than yeah. what actually happens. Wow, I died as Darren. Shut the fuck up, Darren. <laughs> uh, the heroes make their way into the tower where Janet has repaired Kang's core and has opened a portal to return home. Scott pushes Cassie through just before Kang attacks him. They get into a brutal fight with Kang nearly beating Scott to a pulp. Kang attempts to jump through the portal, but Hope jumps back to help Scott fight. They overpower Kang and destroy the core by using multiple growing slash shrinking discs on it. Hope pushes Kang towards the core, which pulls him into a portal to oblivion. Uh, here, I'm going to stop right here because I think the ending of this movie was changed. I think Kay or Scott and Hope originally were supposed to stay. Like, I think this is where the movie was supposed to end. Yeah. It was supposed to be a oh, heroic really? sacrifice where they ended up and were like, as long as we're together, blah, blah, blah. But since they made this whole movie about Scott being away from Cassie for so long, yeah. they were like, we can't split them up again. That's another one of my problems with this movie is tangential what you're saying is that 90% of Paul Rudd's dialogue is I love Cassie and like we get it dude like <laughs> I, I I'm not I'm not over here bashing like loving your son or daughter your your offspring whatever but almost all of his dialogue is don't you hurt Cassie or I'll get you like that's that's him the whole movie there's no way you're taking Cassie's heart <laughs> <laughs> and so I agree with that. I think if if there was a different ending, Kang will pay for this. <laughs> yeah, if maybe there was a different ending, and they're like, no, that doesn't fit the theme. Yeah. Okay. Here's what what, what I wrote in my notes when I watched this is I don't think that the movie should have ended with them stuck in the quantum realm because one, that's how Ant Man and the Wasp ended. Yeah. yeah. It would have been too much of a downer ending for an Ant Man movie in general. You know, unless you know that Endgame is coming up right after it. I just think they shouldn't have done the fake out thing at all. I agree. Just leave that out. We don't need the half a second of, oh, my God, are they going to be stuck there? Okay, they're not. It was resolved so neatly, like with no buildup or anything. It's like, okay. Yeah, don't ask Chris what he thinks about the ending of Toy Story 3. <laughs> we passed over this because we were complaining about other stuff, but I want to rewind again one more time. <laughs> because in this in this giant battle with like the rebels against Kang's and I said this to you, and I don't. You didn't agree with me at the time, but I still feel this way after having seen it now two and a half times. <laughs> I think Kang already isn't that scary now that we've watched the movie a couple times and we've like compared him to the other variants and whatever, like the the stuff we've all agreed with earlier. But I think he's even less scary because he they give these main characters protagonist armor. They have plot armor in the fight. When it's the three of them, when it's whoever the whatever the mix is, the three of them versus Kang, right before that showdown, he is going against all the rebel characters, and he's got his future weapons, and he is ob literally obliterating people. Like, shoots them one time, and they vanish into thin air. They're gone from existence. And then he fights these three, and he can't do that, like, exploding shout move that the like the blue energy goes all around him and everything around him goes 
and gets obliterated, he can't do that one more time. See, here's the here's another thing. Did about he run it. out of mana? He was it was on cooldown. That's what <laughs> like are his are his powerful moves? Do you use him too early? Like I don't understand. He's got all these moves that one shot people, but then when it comes to the main characters, he can't just do whatever and kill them. Like he he gets way less scary in that fight because they have plot armor. Yeah, there is that scene where he like uh. There's a couple scenes, like the one where they first get into the jail cell and he just like has, he like fucking uh, Darth Vader's yeah. both uh, Scott and Cassie. And there's also the scene where he literally just stops Hope from moving. She like starts walking and he just stops her. Yeah. But he, during the fight, doesn't know how to do any of those things. Mm-hmm. I, no, I kind of agree with you there. Okay. I think the problem is that his powers are just not defined at all. Yeah. I, I don't mind, you know circumstances helping the good guys win in a fight if they're doing it well enough you don't notice it one obviously we noticed it because mm-hmm. i don't think it was done well and two i think it's just that you know his powers change from scene to scene is he psychic does he is he just does he have the force like what is, is it? it all tech yeah and it's not that i need an explanation you know i don't need them to say i am able to do this because the blah 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 i don't need that but, you know, just kind of, it just seems like every couple of scenes, he's like pulling out a new thing he can do. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm specifically stuck on this like AOE blast of blue obliteration energy move. Explain to the people what AOE is. A- <laughs> area of effect. So the circular blast of blue energy. You'd Because there's a couple ways I think you could argue against this. Like maybe because he's fighting them specifically, maybe he's not thinking as straight because it's them and he's angry, whatever he's not. Okay. Maybe, but he has a move that can obliterate them all. You say, Oh, the, the, you know, they'll shrink and he won't be able to see them. He has a move Mm -hmm. that covers a fucking circle around him in blue disintegration energy he doesn't care how small they are go and they all die like i i don't get it i don't get it and yeah you're right he does a bunch of different things in this movie there's not like it's almost like they like he has an infinity gauntlet (laughs) what are are his powers yes yeah like (laughs) whatever the scene calls for like what is he he's like the doctor strange or the the wanda and at least they have magic as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, oh, yeah, they can do magic. I get it. It's not surprising when one of them pulls out something new that they can do because like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Wizard. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I just, Conqueror was not the right name for this man. Mm-hmm. Kang the bitch. I don't know. That probably wouldn't work for all audiences. Cassie manages to reopen the portal to help Scott and Hope get home while the quantum natives cheer for their victory. Hooray. Scott returns to his life and family, although he worries about what Kang said regarding something terrible coming. He brushes it off as nothing and joins the family to celebrate a fake birthday for Cassie since he missed some during the blip. I kind of liked this thing, but it did leave me going, well, that, that was kind of a weird ending of him like sort of like... The fake out? Not the fake out, but him like standing there and just like talking about all of the bad things. Like, did I mess up? Like, is this my fault? Oh, well, <laughs> and then just sort of moving yeah. on. Yeah, I remember having mixed feelings about that yeah. the first time I saw it. I don't know if I've ever actually settled on how I feel about it. Yeah. Honestly. I was like, it's kind of funny. Um, it felt very like that we just didn't resolve anything in the movie also. And I know we're getting more movies probably, you know, so it's like whatever, but... <laughs> probably. <laughs> 
I guess, probably. <laughs> mid credit scene. A council of Kang variants discuss the death of the exiled one and prepare to send each of themselves out into the multiverse as they prepare for a major war. Now, the major interesting war. thing about this was seeing how majors found different takes on each version. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and I was like, okay, well, that, that could be exciting. Well, it was, You know what was really interesting? The one guy he did sounded a lot like... Um, Forrest Whitaker's character from yes. the first Black Panther. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're beginning to touch the multiverse. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also also sounded like Forrest Whitaker from Rogue One. Yes! Nice! Deception! <laughs> Poor Gullet will find out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a post credit scene, and it is a scene that we actually have already seen. We've already discussed it. And we've already <laughs> yeah. discussed it. Yes. And it's the variant of Kang, Victor Timely, is seen teaching a class in the early 19th century. Sitting among the class is other than Loki and Agent Mobius. Loki tells Mobius that this man is going to be a very dangerous threat. Teaching a class. I think it's funny that that's what we thought it was at yeah. the time, apparently. I never thought, you know, I, giving a lecture. Yeah. Maybe, but yeah. So, this movie clearly is trying to set itself up to be a part of the future of the MCU. Uh, time will tell. Victor Timely will tell if it ends up having any real effect, especially with everything going on with uh, Jonathan Majors. So what do you guys think this is like where does the where does the MCU head from here? How do they how do they capitalize on this introduction of Kang the Conqueror? <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> uh no thoughts head empty. Go, Chris. Um I don't know. Well, you know the uh writer of this movie was writing Kang Dynasty and as of last week is not anymore. Nah. Well, no wonder why. Now Waldron's doing it. Yeah. Michael Waldron. Did they say why, or what, did it have to do with the reception of this movie? Uh, or I, no, I I don't know because also the director also left the movie, but that's because he's focusing on Shang Chi two instead. Mm. Uh, which cool, yeah. I'm excited for Shang Chi two. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he's also doing Wonder Man for Disney Plus. Peyton Reed? No, not not Peyton Reed. Uh, Creston, I think, is his name. He was the Shang Chi director who was directing. Kang Dynasty is no longer directing it. Oh, oh, but the but the guy who wrote this was writing Kang Dynasty and oh, is now okay. no longer. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say with the real life stuff happening on it. Obviously, we already had another rant on another episode about the the either change of story direction or recasting. Did we discuss like had had it come out that there's a rumor that it's in his contract that they can't recast and that's why? Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't discussed it on the podcast. Oh, we yeah, yeah we talked about that in person yeah. for a yeah, second. Yeah, so so that could be, you know, if that's the case then sorry for yelling at you well, Kevin. Well, and I mean, if you look at the <laughs> you look at the the recent X-Men contracts. Yeah, and I that's, mean that's that's something that's written in all of their contracts as well. They can't be recast until a certain year has passed. Yeah, and I think it's 2025, mm-hmm. which is why any X-Men that we have seen so far have been previous X-Men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So MVP Peach, we'll start with you. Don't. Do not start with me. We already did. MVP Peach. MVP Peach. MVP Peach. Uh, I forgot we had to come up with an MVP. I didn't. We haven't done this in a while. I didn't forget. I just, I'm not impressed by any one person more than any other person in this movie. I, I Like, I'm not saying that to just keep dunking on the movie. 
There's no one in this movie that I think did such a phenomenal job that they deserve an MVP spot. It could be a seven-way tie between everybody. Uh, there's more than seven people in the movie, but uh, let's let's make it the the Goo Man. What's the Goo Man's name? Veb. Veb. You know, technically, one of his friends was in the That's movie. That's true. That's true. Because Veb is voiced by the Baba Yaga guy. And David Dusmalkian. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's Veb, uh, because he was funny. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give it to Scott, uh, just because I mean. Who are you gonna? <laughs> who are you gonna give MVP to? <laughs> I I appoint Scott the MVP. <laughs> Moving on. I almost gave it to Modoc just to tick Peaches off. But, uh, the MVP? Uh, yeah, but. Uh, I do think you that mean that Scott is probably the best part of the movie. He's consistent with every Scott we've seen before, I, for the most part, I think. And Paul Rudd is good. Yeah, so see, sure, I, I would I would default to Paul Rudd. I just get annoyed by how much of his, how many of his lines are just like, Cassie, no, I love her, but Daddy, I love. Her. Press X to Jason. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jason, 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 Jason. I think I agree with Chris. I think my MVP is also going to be Scott. Um, sure. I like, uh, you guys know I'm an unabashed uh, Paul Rudd fan. Hey, yeah. yeah, you've got the shrine in your I closet. unashamed yeah. as uh, how much I love that man. And I really wanted this movie to be good. Uh, and it disappointed me quite a lot. But I don't think it was his fault. Ratings. Chris, we'll start with you on this one. What are you going to rate uh, this movie? I'm between, because there were still parts that I thought were funny and I thought were okay. So I'm between like a 5.5 five and a 6. You know, I think that's the right I'm gonna go. To I think in. I'm going to go a 6. Um, 6, wait a minute. You mean Quantumania contains the letters for Ant-Man and I never realized it until the final title card? <laughs> Out of 10. Quant... Um, mania ant-man sure <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you i'm giving it six deus ant machinas out of ten <laughs> nice nice yeah i also have it at six oh, six God. holes this movie six 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 yeah. holes <laughs> out of ten i thought about rating like it we were lower. really harsh on they were like eh, six it's okay i thought about rating it lower i just look I rated this movie a six. It might be lower. We're going to talk about rankings in a second. Even though I rated this movie as a six, I'd still rather watch it than a few of these other movies. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, that's that's the thing is that I think the the charm of Paul Rudd, uh, you know, carries it pretty far. That's why when I was looking at my other movie rankings, I ended up at six. But I think it probably could be a five-five or a five. Mm. Yeah. But I'd rather watch it than than Iron Man 2. So... Mm. Yeah. Same. Uh, yeah, I think I'd have it towards the bottom, only above Ant-Man 2, The Dark World, and much to the chagrin of everyone else here, Ant-Man or Iron Man 3. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of messed up. Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. I didn't realize, I, I didn't remember that you liked uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp that little. No, I, I uh, misspoke there. It was oh, Iron, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, oh, Iron okay. Man 3, and Dark World. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it is Age of Ultron would be just above it. Yeah, I think that's around. I'm not looking at the list now, but I'm that's what I'm remembering is yeah, it's around. You're there. about there. I think right after Ultron. 
just above Hulk, right Iron Man two Hulk. and Thor. Yeah, Thor two. Yeah, I think for me, I'm putting it between Age of Ultron and Iron Man two, which puts it ahead of Iron Man two, Multiverse of Madness, Eternals, Hulk, and Dark World. And it's weird because there are things in Multiverse of Madness that I think are so much better than this movie, but there's one thing that I think is so much worse than anything yeah. in this movie that, it gets, that it's put below. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to some happy talking. Yeah. Let's go to some recommendations. <laughs> Recommendation jingle. Yeah. Do you guys have something to recommend to our listeners to help them get through their next two weeks since we won't have another episode for this is the thing the part of the show i've been most looking forward to let's I, go. Got, I got things to talk about Ooh, today. let's go i'm, I'm happy um, i got multiple things first of all there is a netflix project i don't know if anyone else is going to bring up an nope. anime nope okay then let me go ahead and say this one really quick because it what it, anime? scott pilgrim what? oh yeah okay yeah so um Real, very briefly, I'm not going to talk too much about this one um, because the other things I'm more excited about, but I really, really love this. Um, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off uh, is an anime adaptation-ish uh, thing of, uh, of Scott Pilgrim versus the world and, and the Scott Pilgrim comics. And actually, the entire voice cast, the entire cast of the live action movie directed by Edgar Wright came back to reprise all the roles for this. So cool that they did that. I don't want to say too much about it because it can be spoiled even if you've read the comics or read the or, or seen the movie. Uh, I would not recommend watching it without seeing the movie first, though. The movie is also on Netflix, so I'm recommending Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the movie, uh, because that is also very good. And then the anime might be better than the movie. I think they really do some really cool stuff with the story. Mm. Uh, you know, I go back and forth. You know, it, I, I think they're both excellent. Um, but I really loved what they did with uh, uh, with the story. Uh, a lot of surprises. Uh, kind of examines like what is Scott Pilgrim all about? Um, you know, because the the writer of the original comic was one of the writers for the show as well. Co created it. Um, Scott O'Malley is the, uh, the the creator. Brian Lee O'Malley. Brian Lee O'Malley. Thank you. Scott is the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian Lee O'Malley uh, and uh, Ben David Grabinski uh, co created the show together. Um, and it's a guy who has grown up from when he wrote the comic looking back at what he's written. And I think it's, it's just fantastic. Excellent. So that's recommendation number one. Recommendations two and three are kind of related to each other. So I, it has been established before that I am a big old Godzilla fan. Uh, so I'm also a big fan of the MonsterVerse, which is legendary pictures. What they I know where this is going now. Yeah, now you know where it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the MonsterVerse is, in my opinion, of all the cinematic universes that popped up in the wake of the MCU's success, and every studio's like, I want to do that too. MonsterVerse is maybe the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the MonsterVerse being Godzilla and King Kong, uh, and it's tied together by this organization called Monarch. Uh, which is like a secret government organization that studies Titans, these giant monsters. Um, I think all those movies are great. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed all of them. And now there is a show on Apple TV Plus called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And we're four episodes in now. And I'm really enjoying this as well. Um, if you're going to watch it, I'd recommend at least watching the 2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island, because it's actually set after Godzilla, but before Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is my favorite of those movies. Um, 
it follows up on events that happened in Godzilla and John Goodman had a, well, there's a character played by John Goodman in Kong Skull Island. That movie is actually set in the seventies and that character is very important to the backstory of this show. So I'd recommend watching both those. I think you can actually watch it cold as well, but you should at least watch those two movies before you check this out. Uh, that looks great for a TV show. It's, uh, they, you know, Apple threw a lot of money at it. <laughs> Godzilla looks just as good as he does in the movies. Uh, and yes, Godzilla has shown up a couple times already, and that delights me to no end. And they've introduced a couple new monsters. Uh, and what's really cool is that the storyline takes part of it is set in the 50s, and then part of it is set in uh, 2015. So this is uh, a year after Godzilla. And there's this one character who is in both time periods. Wyatt Russell plays him in the past, and Kurt Russell plays him in the present. <laughs> so sick. That's cool. They um, <laughs> and it's really great. I've read interviews like they worked together to develop this character. They like tried to learn each other's mannerisms so they could like take things from each other's performances. <laughs> There's one shot where they transition from the present to the past, and it's like his fa- Kurt Russell's face dissolves into Wyatt's, and it was uncanny. It was so cool. That's sweet. What a great great idea. So I'm really enjoying that. My final recommendation. Japan is still also making Godzilla movies. <laughs> and a new one just came out called Godzilla Minus One. And it is called Godzilla Minus One because this one is actually set directly after World War II. So the original Godzilla, or uh, Gojira in Japan, uh, came out in 1954, I believe. So 10 years after the war, basically. Uh, so... Everyone kind of knows that that was a, a it's a metaphor for you know the nuclear bombs that were dropped on Japan and some of the I'm not trying to make a bunny or the fallout of that. So this one though it is set directly after World War II. It is like 1947, and it is an incredible movie. I'm you have to trust me when I tell you it, this is not just Chris the Godzilla fan saying this movie is really good. This movie is excellent. It is the scariest I think Godzilla has ever been. Uh, like, I saw someone else said this, and it's 100% true. This is the only time watching a Godzilla movie I have been afraid of when Godzilla is going to show up again. Normally, I'm like, oh, come on, Godzilla, beat up the guys. No, this one, it's like, oh, God, he's back. You know, he's terrifying. And it is... Uh, an excellent human story. The uh, the main character is a former kamikaze pilot who... Jesus. Yeah. He got out of... Uh, the war was just about over, but he was supposed to go do his thing. And he pretended that his plane wasn't working. Uh, so he was uh, sent to Odo Island to um, for repairs. And they figured out that there wasn't anything wrong and he's just trying to get out of his duty. And then Godzilla attacks and he and the head mechanic are the only survivors. So he goes back home to Tokyo, which has been devastated by the bombings. And his neighbor is furious with him because they know uh, he's a kamikaze pilot. They're not supposed to come home. And she's like, you didn't do your duty. And that's why my children are dead, you know, Um and he is just dealing with the trauma of this. He ends up uh, meeting this woman who has uh, taken on a baby because the baby's parents died. Uh, so she ends up living with him and they raise the kid together. Uh, but he's dealing with 
you know, all the stuff, the just the mental anguish of that, and then Godzilla comes back. Um, uh, the Godzilla at the beginning is interesting because he hasn't been hit by a nuclear bomb yet, so he's just a big scary monster, and then he's enormous after the bomb gets him. But he uh gets a job on a little ship. Um, the characters on the ship are great. It is just one of the best human stories I've ever seen in one of these movies. Uh, I was near tears by the end. Um, it, it was, I saw it in IMAX too. Um, our friend Adam, uh, and I, we went to go see it and it is just a phenomenal movie. Um, they use, and they use the Godzilla theme, like the classic score from the original movie in just an excellent way as well. I cannot recommend this movie enough. It is one of my top two or three movies of the year. I just recently on Spotify, like, uh, it was like shuffling random new music for me and i heard a surge tankian cover of blue oyster cult godzilla yes, that is from king of the monsters oh, okay that's the credits music from uh from king of the monsters i thought maybe because it just showed up that it was a new song and yeah. i was like actually this is really fucking good oh it's awesome that covers so good because that one bear mccreary, bear McCreary. yeah because he did the score for king of the monsters okay. and that is also the only american godzilla movie so far to use the classic godzilla theme from the japanese movies mm. and also the classic mothra theme which is great but bear mccreary also did the arrangement of the blue easter cult song godzilla yeah um, so it actually fits in with the score as well and it, huh. it's the end of the movie godzilla's roaring uh and like the music goes bomb 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 and then it like transitions right into the song and it's <laughs> badass it's actually one of my favorite credit sequences ever <laughs> because it's just it's a really cool main on end oh man watch all the godzilla movies that's my recommendation <laughs> um but especially minus one um which a lot of people are saying might be the best godzilla movie ever a lot of people saying that it should be up for best foreign language movie at the oscars it's legitimately that good hmm. i talked a lot who's next i i just want to like say i you have inspired. I want to watch all of these things now. Yeah, I want to watch all of them. Yeah, I want to watch. I want to be terrified by Godzilla. Yeah. He yeah. never seemed like something I, that would actually yeah. terrify Anyone me. Anyone wants to go see minus one? I will go see that movie. Yeah, we should with all you go again. see it. Okay. I want to see it. It's yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of a limited. I think it's only playing in like a thousand theaters in the U.S. And I don't know how long it's going to be in theaters. Gotta go so, soon. So try. Gotta go fast. Um, yeah. We want like Godzilla watch parties. By the way, I've got the Criterion collection of the entire. Um, uh, I think it's the Showa era of uh, it's either Heisei or Showa. I forget, um, but it's every Godzilla movie from 1954 to like 1975. Mm. I've hmm. got a, a collection of that. Do you have the one from the early 2000s where they have the little Godzilla babies? No, I do not have that. I do have Shin Godzilla though, which I have not watched, which was the last Japanese Godzilla movie, Ooh. which is also I want to watch the Bear McCreary one too. Oh yeah, I've got that one. The King right of over Monsters. There. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's leaving soon though. All of the Godzilla oh. movies are on Netflix, and they are all leaving soon. Oh, Probably shit. moving over to Apple. Damn <laughs> I it! Had to guess. Yeah, yeah, that makes but sense. Yeah. King of the watch. Monsters is my favorite. It was also the worst reviewed of all the MonsterVerse movies. Interesting. It looks and so good. I think they're wrong. Hmm. Um, but also, King of the Monsters, I was predisposed to like because when I was a kid, I used to love Godzilla movies then as well um i just haven't changed uh but my uh <laughs> yeah i realized like, i used to love godzilla movies i still do this but i used mitch to Hed- this is a mitch Hedberg <laughs> joke yeah um but uh when i was a kid i used to rent godzilla movies from blockbuster okay and my favorite one was Ghidorah the three-headed monster okay and that was godzilla teaming up with mothra and rodan to defeat Ghidorah. All four of those guys are in King of the Monsters. Okay, so yeah, that was like they like they like I'm watching this movie. Lou, 
they made a movie just for me. (laughs) (laughs) If Endgame hadn't come out that same year, that would have been like the most Chris movie of the year. (laughs) (laughs) What a year for you. It was a good... Mm. No, right now, five months... We're five months away from Godzilla X Kong. I don't know how we're supposed to pronounce that one because it's their team up. And, oh, and it's like Hunter X Hunter. You just yeah. say Godzilla Kong. Yeah, maybe. It honestly, might be. <laughs> and Japan, a lot like when it's a crossover, it's just cross, like uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Yeah, yeah, you know why I know that? Because there was a Kingdom Hearts mobile game that was called Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, and it was <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, so I don't know. Since Godzilla's Japanese, we're gonna. Uh, it's going to be Godzilla cross Kong. Mm. <laughs> um, but in the span of five months, we're getting both kinds of Godzilla movies. We're getting the fun monster fight and we're getting the sobering examination of the devastation of war. Yeah. Do you know what I, I want to watch? And the TV show. I want to watch all the Godzilla movies. You know what other, this is like so tangentially related, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. You know other movies I want to go back and watch all of them, even though I've only seen the first of the new ones? Tell me. I want to watch all the Planet of the Apes movies. I have not seen any of the new ones. The first one, the one with James Franco that was however many years ago, was really good. And I remember really liking it and then never watching any of the ones afterwards. I've seen the original Planet of the Apes, and that is an excellent movie as well. Um, And I I remember when the prequels were coming out, uh, the first one, I was like, oh, God, no one wants to see this. And then I heard, okay, actually, it's supposed to be very good. And I've heard they all are really good. And, yeah, and it's Andy Serkis is Caesar, yeah. who is the main ape. Yeah. I've seen the end of Spaceballs. <laughs> Does that count? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a recommendation, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I also watched all of Scott Pilgrim pretty quickly, so plus one on that. Uh, I said I was going to play it, and I hadn't played it yet, so my actual recommendation this week is Remnant 2. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Remnant 2, the sequel to Remnant colon from the ashes. <laughs> uh, interesting to have such like a sweaty title of your first game and then just call the second one 2. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Remnant 2 is pretty good. If if you played the first one, it's a, it's a little bit more of the same new environments, a ton of new things to collect. Uh, so far, a lot less buggy than the first game, which is a big plus. Uh, it's the reason I quit playing the first one. But the Remnant games are like, what if Destiny and uh, Soulsborne game had a child? Um, so you got your looter. It's like a looter shooter, right? Uh, you can play with up to three people in your group, and it's hard as hell. Like, uh, it's intentionally pretty tough. Um, the bosses all have like very different and unique mechanics. Some of the bosses, you're not even fighting the boss. You're just trying to survive. Some of them, you're trying to fight something in the environment while the boss is attacking you instead of fighting the boss, like stuff like that. There's this really cool fight that I I don't want to spoil, but you are fighting geometry in a maze. And I won't say anything other than that, but you are in like a labyrinth while fighting geometry. That's interesting. Um. And the reward that you get from it is one of the most unique guns I have seen in a video game. Hmm. It shoots things that I won't describe, but they like go out and then they come back to you. And it's like special fire mode shoots a shield in front of you that hurts enemies and protects you and you can shoot through it. It's really neat. But yeah, it's it's been fun. I definitely made a spreadsheet of the game because... I pretty quickly got lost in, well, I have to collect everything. And there's like 630 different items to collect in the game. 
uh, your character can only have like like nine or ten equipped at a time. So, but there's more. The first game had like classes. I don't remember what they were called. I think it was like hunter, ex cultist. I couldn't. I couldn't. Something else. Yeah, there were there were like three or four classes in the first game, and there's eleven or twelve in this one. Sheesh. Wow. Um. So the variety and <laughs> how you can build your character is way different, and there's a ton more guns, ton more melee weapons. Um, I remember reading that the community unlocked a class. Yeah, a few months after the the game came out, it wasn't that they unlocked it. It's that it was a very hidden one. Mm. It was hard to find, and like as a group, they figured out how to do it. Mm. There is a the non spoiler. I mean, this is one of those things that unless you look up how to do it, you're just not going to fucking figure it out. Sure. Um, and that's why the community needed to come together to do it. But basically, there's a section of the game that has all these like puzzle doors, these like portals to other dimensions or whatever. One of them is glowing red, and who the fuck knows why, right? Um, and you think, well, that's going to be important. I'll come back to that later. And you never come back to it later. There's no reason to come back to it later. Well, if you find a very specific loadout and you equip your character in all of the available slots with all of the very specific things that need to be in that slot, the door stops glowing red and you can go through it. And you go to a different video game and you're able to play that video game for a small amount of time to try to collect items while inside of that game, and then you get thrown out of the portal, and you can try again. That sounds like um, Ready Player One. Do you know it was a TikTok? I'm just going to spoil this for you guys, and if listeners, you don't want to listen to this, you don't have to. Did you ever see those TikTok videos of the back rooms? Yeah, yeah. With I'm those, familiar with The that. people chasing you around in the back rooms. You've never seen those videos? No. Okay. Well, that's the video game you go into. When you go through that door, you're in the back rooms and you're running around with a time limit to try to find the hidden items that are in the back rooms. One of the hidden items you turn into an NPC and it gives you another class. So you have to have all these very specific items on. Then you have to run through the back rooms to get it. I still haven't gotten it yet because I'm still working on getting two of the 13 things you need. That's crazy. 12 things you need. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. And... Like I said, it's bit, I haven't noticed bugs yet. Maybe I waited long enough for them to iron them out. I The first game I ended up, I had a checklist for that game too, and I was getting really close to getting everything in the game. I don't know if you remember this specifically, but there was this fight uh, in like the forest level with a wolf. And if you did all the boss fights in the first game, and a lot of the ones in this game have this, this is true for them too. If you do specific things in the boss fight, you get a different reward at the end of the fight. Uh, and there was this wolf boss fight in the first game, and if you did this, you played this like uh, melody before you fought the wolf, you were supposed to get a different reward. And we fought that motherfucker like 15 times. No matter what, it didn't drop the mm-hmm. the gun that he was supposed to drop if you played the melody and pissed in my Cheerios. I was mad. Uh, but I haven't run into anything like that yet, so hopefully not a problem anymore. Um, and yeah, the level design is cool too. Uh, the worlds you go to, one of them is like space. It's very space, very space infested with uh, robots and space. and bugs. Uh, one of them is a revisit of that jungle world. Why are space bugs such a popular? I don't know science fiction thing. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't I it? I don't know. And one of the levels you go to is basically Bloodborne. 
Oh, cool. You're like on the streets of this like very English looking town and all of the natives of the streets are trying to fight you as like they look very cultisty. Mm. One of them, one of the like big bads that'll come after you has like a whirly gig saw. Mm. So it, it's it's like it's almost trying to tell you that it's a Dark Souls baby. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, Remnant 2. That was Remnant 2. <laughs> my recommendation I've got like a bunch of mini recommendations so I'm gonna go through them a little quicker oh, oh boy uh, mini recommendations my son has wanted to watch one thing and one thing only for the past like two weeks and you're recommending it and it's the Super Mario movie I'll, I'll, I guess I'll recommend that too um, but yeah I'll recommend that I guess um, but it has also changed some things so I was able to connect my Nintendo Switch to the TV and uh, sit, he sat down while I played Mario for like two hours. Oh, wow. Which Mario? Uh, I played, I played, it was specific, I planned it. It was Super Mario 3D World. Mm-hmm. And the reason I played that one is because he likes Mario in the cat suit. Oh, okay. And he likes going, meow. Dude, <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah. I was over there the other day and he did that like on cue and yeah. the cat came on. Uh, he also is obsessed with Bowser. He is constantly being like, where's Bowser? Bowser, like, get me Bowser. I love Bowser. Like, where is Bowser? Good kid. Uh, yeah, he's got good taste. Yeah, Bowser's always my favorite. Uh. Uh, he is obsessed with Bowser. Um, and so I played uh, some of that. I also, and you can see how I got here, also played some of Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. That game's oh, good. Yeah. Fantastic game. Yeah, that game's game. very yeah. good. It's very fun. It's a very fun take on a lot of the same like things that you do in Mario. But it's like, what if you played Mario but you couldn't jump? And yeah. it's uh, and it, that's it. That's the game. And it's really fun and really interesting the way they do the puzzles in that game. It's quick too. Yeah, it's not a it's not a long game. Yeah, I want to recommend if anybody has a PlayStation Five. Me. I have since gone back. I am very close to platinuming it now. Um, I am replaying Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart which is an incredible little game that came out just after the PlayStation 5 was released. And it really showcases the power of what you can do with the PlayStation 5. That game, if you're unfamiliar, is all about how you can travel interdimensionally, but it's more so like travel through space. And like uh, it kind of shows the power of the the SSD and the PlayStation because you'll be in one area and then there'll be a portal and you'll go through the portal and you'll be in a completely different area. And it's like that throughout the game. It's also incredibly charming. It's got a very whimsical vibe similar to like a Mario, but maybe a little bit more, you know, Sony-esque. But yeah, very whimsical, very fun. Very, if you played, I never played the Ratchet and Clank games when I was younger. I was more of a Jack and Daxter kind of guy. But if you played those games, those kind and those kind of games, they don't really exist anymore besides Ratchet and Clank. And then like Nintendo does them, but like the like, not even the same way though. Like the Spyros of the world. Yeah, the Spyros, yeah. Jack and Daxters, Ratchet yeah. and Clanks. Those even types. the Jack and Daxters. The first one was like those, but the ones after that didn't play the same. Well, and Jack two. Jack and Dexter 2 was trying to be more like Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they succeeded. I think they the first one, I thought the Precursor Legacy, um, I think is the name of the collection, actually. Mm. But the whatever it's called. But the first one, the first Jack and Dexter, I think is an incredible platformer. Yeah, I really liked that one. Um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, I think, is in that echelon of like 
incredible. Like if you uh, highly recommend if you really liked Astro's Playroom, I think oh, yeah. that is you know a really good segue to go from one to the other. I think that game is really, really, really good, and I think it's honestly really underrated. I think it it is perhaps maybe Insomniac's best going of the past ten years, and they have made two phenomenal Spider-Man games. Hmm. And I think gameplay wise, mm, I don't know. I think it, it actually might actually be just under the first Spider-Man. But they're all like 9.5s to 10s. Yeah. So it's not, you know, I'm not. Uh, yeah, really great game. And then I wanted to recommend a movie that uh, lots of you have probably already seen before, but I just watched for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh, I would like to recommend Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Actually. Oh yeah, you've never seen it. Yeah, no. Oh, it's really. Oh, good. here we go. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is a movie about a man who goes to space and he's trying to get back to his kids. Mm. That's it. That's the movie. Uh, obviously, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So the way it all happens and the way he has to get all of that Wait, what's is the a, twist. I'm actually the one in space. It's a lot more convoluted, not convoluted, but it's a lot more complex than I'm saying it. Um, but it is an incredible, heartfelt movie that goes places that you don't expect, um, and it's it's so so good. The act of it, it is incredible. Matthew McConaughey is so good in that movie. Hmm. Uh, Does it stream somewhere? It is on Am- uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's very 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 good. It's very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few scenes, and you know what it is? It's also very memed. A lot of the stuff in yeah. Interstellar is out there, and you probably don't realize it. There is a particular song in Interstellar that is all over TikTok what that is you it? probably don't know. I can't tell you what it is because it's just notes, but like it's just there's no words. It's just oh. it's just like part of the score, but it is one that is heavily used in TikToks. There is a hmm. scene of Matthew McConaughey crying in that movie that has also used very heavily in memes and stuff. Hmm. Uh, there are a few memes that have come out of that movie that I didn't realize were from that movie. Um, but yeah, really emotional, really good, very gripping. I'm in the middle of trying to watch all of the Christopher Nolan stuff that I haven't watched uh, because I saw Oppenheimer when it came out and I mm-hmm. loved it. I've obviously seen the Dark Knight trilogy and I have seen Inception. Yeah, I still haven't seen Oppenheimer. I'm sorry, I you said Oppenheimer. Today I saw a video of someone putting uh, what I've done from uh, the Transformers <laughs> over the end of Oppenheimer and it's... Stupid how well it actually works. Let me tell you, this is the second week in a row we've made that joke. I, oh, God, you're because right. Because I edited the last episode, not second week, but the second episode in a row, because I edited the last one, and the last one we said a very similar thing about some uh, ending of something. Oh, no, you're right. Ending yeah. with what I've done. It's funny, though. It's a joke that always works. I am. It's like a serious conversation between Oppenheimer and Einstein. <laughs> I think we did. What I've done. Okay, wait, so hold on. So you need to see then. Memento. You need to see Memento. I need to see Tenant. You need to see Tenant and the Prestige. I've seen the Prestige. Mm, okay. Excuse me. I, I think I'm at just Memento tenet. and Tenant. Okay. Dunkirk. Dunkirk is another one I haven't seen. Yes. I haven't seen Dunkirk either. Memento, Tenant, and Dunkirk are the ones that I haven't seen. Okay. Insomnia. I haven't seen that, but I don't know if I've heard good, like great things about. Yeah, that. these are starting to get to the point where I haven't heard of them. I feel like Memento is where he starts getting to his like. That's where he starts getting in his bag. Memento's a wild film. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I like that one. Okay, maybe I should watch Interstellar. Tenet is weird, bro. If you come away from Tenet 
and you and you go, I know exactly what was going on. I know you're a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows right away. It's so trippy. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Join our patron-exclusive Discord. Huge shout-outs to our Avenger-level patrons, Brian, Riley, and Adrian. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, it's going to be at assemblycast. Send us an email, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. I think that's going to do it for myself, for Chris, for We love you, guys. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bubbly, bubbly. What a song. We're all sitting here going, are we going to do it? <laughs> <laughs>